Uh, with my first pick in the second round, I'm going with Anthony Davis. You sure you want him to be your teammate? Uh, I, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm very sure of that. <laughs> right. is, 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 isn't that tempering? No, no. <laughs> Shots fired, Tem- uh, and you're up. Tempering rules, tempering rules does not imply on All-Star Weekend. <laughs> And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. I've learned here over the last couple of weeks... We're all having fun talking about the Bucks. We're having fun talking about the Brewers and Badgers basketball and UWL basketball, Central basketball. We don't need no stinking Packers. They got to earn some love back from us. I want to talk Bucks today to start. They didn't play last night. They play tonight. 7.30, they are uh, in Dallas. You can hear that game on WKTY. But the All-Star draft was last night. And I know maybe the All-Star game's not everyone's thing. But if you are a Bucks fan, number one... This might be the most excited you've ever been about a Bucks team. And number two, Giannis Antetokounmpo is an all-star captain, which is a really big deal, especially given the fact that LeBron James owns the league right now, so he's going to snatch up one of those spots automatically. So really, there's only one of those spots up for grabs, and that is Giannis. Now, the NBA did their all-star draft last night. The Pro Bowl has flirted with this. I don't think the MLB will ever do this. But certain leagues are experimenting with how to make their all-star games better. Well, last year, for the first time, the NBA, as we've talked about, said, all right, the two highest vote-getters, each in each conference, so the highest vote-getter in the West, highest vote-getter in the East, uh, will, or excuse me, the two highest vote-getters overall, excuse me, will be the two captains. They will select their teams, right? So Giannis gets to pick his team, LeBron gets to his, and they televised it last night for the first draft, or for the first time. They did it a year ago. They didn't televise the draft, and people were like, we, we want to see this. And ESPN and TNT, I believe, was actually the, the network who carried it. It was like, hell yeah, we'll put it on. So we got to watch Giannis uh, and LeBron kind of, I don't want to say Skyped in, but some sort of video call uh, as they selected their teammates. So we'll look at who drafted who and who's going to be playing alongside who. Uh, it, it should be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and perhaps you are as well, or perhaps All-Star Games really aren't your thing. Either either way, 608-796-2558. The five-star telecom talk and text line is wide open. I would love to talk to you because, look, We may not watch the All-Star game, right? You might not watch the All-Star game, but you're probably still excited that Giannis is an All-Star and Chris Middleton is an All-Star and Giannis is a captain. I mean, it's it's a big deal. There are only two players in the entire league that get to get this many votes to pick their own team. So Giannis has found himself in a unique position, and I think uh, that position is going to be his for a long time with the international following that he has, uh, even in his situation in a small market. He continues to get votes and get attention uh, and get love. And last night I thought was a good example why you heard right as the show was starting, LeBron James selecting Anthony Davis and Giannis, of course, joking, uh, accusing him of tampering. I, I, I love, I don't want to fan out here, I love Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, I, I hope he is a buck long, long term, much past this contract. But if not, I'm going to enjoy watching him throughout his entire career, even if he does end up playing at some other team in some other city at some point, God forbid. I love Giannis Antetokounmpo and what he has brought to Milwaukee and what he has brought to the NBA. Last night, he was selecting his teammates for the All-Star game. And the original reaction was that 
LeBron's team is better, and when I'm looking at it on paper, I certainly think LeBron has the more talented team. Here's the thing. I want to put a couple disclaimers on this before we start talking about this. I am not as interested in the result of the All-Star game. Although, Giannis being a captain, I'd love to see his team win. I'm not so enveloped and involved in the result of the All-Star game. I love watching the All-Star game. The draft and the voting fascinates me. And it's good to see these players get recognized. As far as me, the game is icing on the cake. Of course, I'm going to cheer for Team Giannis, and I can't wait to watch. Um, So last night, this is kind of how the selections shook out. LeBron was the higher vote-getter over Giannis. The two of them, it was not even close with the third-place vote-getter. Kevin Durant was the first overall pick from LeBron, and then Giannis selected Steph Curry. Then it got interesting. LeBron took Kyrie. Giannis took Embiid. LeBron took Kawhi Leonard, Giannis took Paul George, which is interesting, over James Harden, who is the next pick to LeBron, and then Giannis wrapped up the starting selections with Kemba Walker at number 8. So it's interesting, Giannis doesn't select Kawhi Leonard or James Harden, who I think were probably the two best players on the board at the time, he goes Embiid, Uh, he goes with some size, and goes with an Eastern Conference rival in Joel Embiid, and... We love to make this a big deal, we love to try to stir up controversy, and to stir up conversation, but... I don't know, maybe Giannis just wants to play with Embiid. Or maybe in that split second, he's like, ah, Joel might be fun to have on my team. Or maybe this was sort some plot, something that he stayed up at night thinking about. I can't imagine that it was, but after the selection of the starters, uh, which were the 10 highest vote-getters, you, of course, subtract out LeBron and Giannis. Uh, so you have four players on each team uh, to round out the starters. And here's what's interesting. All of the selections that LeBron made are... About to be free agents. Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson, Kyrie Irving. All of his selections set to be free agents. Now, of course, people are going to run wild and talk about, well, LeBron's doing recruiting, and, and he very well could be. Don't get me wrong. I don't know how much an all-star selection pays into recruitment and attraction to of a free agent to be in the upcoming summer, but I don't know. It's an interesting conversation. It's an interesting topic to have, uh, and one that I want to ask our own Dave Carney about. He's going to join the show. His maiden voyage here on the Wisco Sports Show at 5.30. So we're going to talk a couple of different NBA topics, whether it's the All-Star game and the All-Star selections or the, the Bucks trade deadline, a whole bunch of things we're going to cover. And I know Dave is hyped up for it. Dave loves the NBA and all this drama and speculation about it. Once the starters were selected, uh, it got a little bit interesting. Giannis was the first to select um, of the reserves, and he took his teammate Chris Middleton. With the first overall pick. Then it went LeBron. Took Anthony Davis. And then Giannis took Nikola Jokic. He was taking some smaller name players here. LeBron goes Clay Thompson. Who is. You got it. Set to be a free agent. Giannis takes Ben Simmons. LeBron takes Dame Lillard. Giannis takes Blake Griffin. Interesting. Not maybe as big of a name as the next player. Russell Westbrook. Who was taken by LeBron. And then D'Angelo Russell. uh, Vukovic. uh, From the Magic. uh, Carl. Or excuse me. Kyle Lowry. And then the final pick uh, was Bradley Beal. He went to Team LeBron. So the reserves for Team Giannis, uh, Chris Middleton, uh, Nikola Jokic, Ben Simmons, who was traded for Russell Westbrook. So Giannis is actually going to have Westbrook. Team Giannis also has Blake Griffin, uh, D'Angelo Russell, who I love, (laughs) Nikola Vukovic from the Magic, and uh, Kyle Lowry from the Toronto Raptors. So there's Team Giannis. Team LeBron's got everybody else. I don't want to sit down and, and break down who's got the advantage in the All-Star game. Look, the the win-loss of the All-Star game is secondary to me. I love the format because it gives us interesting combinations of players and it is able to absorb a year where maybe the West or the East doesn't have as much superpower as the other side. So it's a little bit more balanced and it is 
endlessly interesting, in my opinion. This is very interesting to take a look at, uh, in my opinion. You want to join in on the show? Uh, 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talk and text line. Twitter as well, at Grant and at WKTY. One is my account, and then obviously the station account, at WKTY. Uh, check us out in both accounts. Scott says, please tell me when Giannis picked Paul George, he mispronounced his name, quote, because I can't pronounce his name. He did. Yeah, I, I want Giannis to mispronounce everybody's name. Because as, as popular as Giannis has become, and I would say he's a top five player, not in the NBA, but in the world, uh, because I think we forget that the NBA is the best collection of basketball players in the world, that there are analysts, not just other players and casual fans, but analysts out there who still cannot pronounce Giannis's last name. Not us here on WK2I and our listeners. On to DeCumpo. It's not that hard. If anyone took five minutes uh, with a note card and sat down and just practiced it, uh, that's all it would take. But listening to Shaquille O'Neal try to say it, and of course, Grady sometimes struggles as well, but that's just all in good fun right there. So yeah, he did almost mispronounce Paul George's name last night. I enjoyed watching the All-Star Draft. I I think it's the NBA does things like this well. Uh, The Pro Bowl is just different. It's a different kind of game. The MLB All-Star Game is built more on tradition, and they have that going for them. The NBA, I think, has done done this in a pretty cool way, where they allow their two huge name players, Giannis and LeBron, to take the spotlight last night and to get attention and to market the league for themselves, which the NBA does very well. They present and market their stars very well. Juxtaposed to a, a league like the MLB, I'm not sure if Mike Trout walked past my dad in Walmart that my dad would be able to pick Mike Trout out. I, I don't know if I don't know if he'd pick up on that. You know, if LeBron was walking through Walmart, Giannis was walking through Walmart. Oh yeah, people would notice Mike Trout. Uh, I, I sometimes feel like Bryce Harper could sneak past the average citizen as well if they weren't paying attention. The NBA markets their stars very well, and I thought last night was just a great example of how can we get some huge name players on TV? How can we get eyes on us? Last night was a perfect example of how. And I think the NBA just does a really good job of having fun. There's 82 regular season games. We're smack dab in the middle, but the Bucks play the Mavericks tonight in Dallas at 7.30. But yet here we are. We're talking about the All-Star Draft, right? We're talking about the trade deadline. Because the NBA, it's two things. There's a sports league, and then it's almost like a reality TV network as well. And and they go so well together. I love it. I love talking NBA, and I love that the Bucks are so good right now that people have excitement, and people want to talk about this team because they're that good. Uh, and it's been so much fun. Coming up next, we do have to take a little bit of a break, but coming up next, LeBron had some comments today about the Eastern Conference and about the moves yesterday. And I'm here to kind of be the wet blanket on LeBron's parade. Uh, and we're going to talk about the trade deadline and, and obviously what the Bucks did yesterday. This is the Wisco Sports Show, so we need to keep it focused. But LeBron had some comments, and I couldn't help but laugh, and I'm going to share my take with you. Maybe you'll agree, maybe you won't. I'd love to talk about it. Coming up next, the Wisco Sports Show will roll on here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're having a good Friday night. Obviously excited about the weekend. The Bucks take on the Dallas Mavericks tonight. In Dallas, 7.30 tips, six, uh, 7 o'clock pregame here on WKTY. So you can tune in and hear that. Um, the Bucks are on a tear right now. We all know they're playing great basketball, but even more so in the last two or three weeks. Chris Middleton's not going to play tonight. He is resting, and I don't think Miritich will be available yet. 
Uh, we are obviously excited to see his debut, but Bucks are resting a couple of players tonight, hoping to get a win uh, against an inferior team without maybe needing to use all their horses. So uh, check into the Bucks tonight. We are going to use all our horses on the Wisco Sports Show today. We're going to talk to Dave Carney coming up here in about 10 or 12 minutes, uh, specifically about the Bucks and about the trade deadline. I wanted to have him on yesterday, but they were a little busy, so we'll talk to him coming up in about 10 or 12 minutes on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. Uh, 608-796-2558 if you want to join in. I want to talk about, continue to talk about, I should say, yesterday's trade deadline and the implications, not just on the Bucks and not just on the Eastern Conference, but on the entire NBA. It was interesting uh, because yesterday LeBron came out with some pointed comments. LeBron's always making the news, but this is one that I found just a little bit interesting and one that's impactful and meaningful for the Bucks and our state and the Wisco Sports Show. He sat down with Joe Varden of The Athletic, and he got this quote yesterday. This is what LeBron had to say. Those top teams in the East, they're going for it. James told Joe Varden. Toronto's going for it. Milwaukee's going for it. Philly, Boston believes they can do it too. They know they ain't got to go through Cleveland anymore. Everybody in the East thinks they can get to the finals because they ain't got to go through me. That's the big line right there. Everybody in the East thinks they can get to the finals because they ain't got to go through me. It's interesting. It's pretty cocky, right? And I think understandably so. Look, LeBron has made how many straight finals? Eight, nine? See, the fact that I have lost count and don't know off the top of my head is pretty ridiculous. I believe it would have been since probably his, his first year in Miami or maybe the year before that in Cleveland. So at least 2010, 2011, 2009, uh, which is absurd. It doesn't matter if it's 10 years, 9 years. It doesn't matter. The streak is ridiculous. And that doesn't look like it's going to be the case this year. But no matter, LeBron's got to talk about it yesterday. Uh, and trailing back more than just yesterday, but weeks and months, the Eastern Conference has been building up a lot of talent. The Phillies acquiring Jimmy Bub- uh, Jimmy Butler, I almost said Jimmy Buffett, Jimmy Butler first, and then Tobias Harris, so they're building up some talent. The Bucks uh, trading for a, a player like um, like Nikola Mirotic yesterday, and they've been adding pieces slowly but surely uh, through player acquisition. I mean, they signed Brooke Lopez in the offseason. Nobody at the time looked that looked like a blockbuster move. Now it looks a lot better, looks a lot more impactful. And then, of course, you have the Raptors trading for Kawhi Leonard yesterday. They get Mark Gasol. There's some real talent at the top of the East right now, and I'm excited to watch the Eastern Conference playoffs more so than I have been in years past. I'm always excited to watch the NBA playoffs, even if they aren't the highest quality teams. I'm still always excited, but LeBron's comments yesterday, I think to LeBron truthers and LeBron superfans, probably makes a lot of sense, and he is right. He had run the Eastern Conference for the last, I don't know how many years, what we were just talking about, it, eight, nine years. Uh, he has been to the final straight. It might be even more than that. And he has to make a comment now that he's out of there. Teams feel comfortable putting down a little capital, bringing in superstars through trades or through free agency or what have you. I Look, I'm not a LeBron hater. I, I just want to put this in perspective. The East was garbage. The Raptors got good through acquiring Kyle Lowry and developing DeMar DeRozan. That never used to be the case. And the Celtics had to be bad before they could be good. They traded away their core and rebuilt through the draft and then eventually got Kyrie Irving and and added pieces like uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum through the draft. The Sixers just recently got Joel Embiid going and just recently drafted Ben Simmons and acquired Jimmy Butler. I think if the East was constructed as it is this year, last year, or even the year before, I don't think LeBron would have been in the finals. I don't think this is a case of now teams just going forward. I think it's a culmination of a lot of things. Young talent bubbling up. I think with in Milwaukee's case, they've just now figured out their coach in their front office. I think the talent, or enough talent, should I say, has always been there to challenge LeBron or challenge the Celtics or whoever the last couple of years. They just weren't organized. Their front office was a mess. 
Their coaching staff was a mess, and now they've stabilized that. The Raptors have always been great. They just upgraded their best player. They traded DeMar DeRozan basically straight up. They actually got Danny Green in return, too, which is pretty incredible. They've upgraded at the top and now are better. And, and in the case of the Celtics and the Sixers, they haven't necessarily gone out and gone for it. Their talent has just come of age. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid have matured to the level they are now. And the Celtics have obviously acquired Jason Tatum. Uh, they drafted him two years ago, and he looks like he's the real deal. And Jalen Brown has matured. Kyrie Irving was a trade. Yes, they acquired him. But it's not like they waited for LeBron to leave to acquire Kyrie. They took him right out from LeBron's lap, right under LeBron's watch. So first of all, I want to I pump the brakes on LeBron a little bit here. I don't think these teams are only improving now because LeBron is gone. I think LeBron was in Cleveland this year. I, I, I think the Eastern Conference would look pretty similar to how it is now. I don't think Cleveland would be sitting at the top. Just like Los Angeles is not sitting at the top of the Western Conference. Not at the top being right under Golden State, mind you. But they are out of the playoff picture currently. And this LeBron comment, you know what it made me think of? And we all know somebody like this right after high school, right? To to put it in perspective, I'm 20, uh, almost 21. So I'm a little bit less removed from the situation than maybe some of our listeners. But we all remember graduating high school. Some of us go to college, right? Some of us uh, maybe do a trade school, learn a trade, or, or go right into the workforce. Uh, but there are always some people who are much quicker uh, and much more excited to go back to high school and attend high school events and high school sporting events uh, than others, right? Some people just want to go back to high school all the time, right? And a, a conversation and a point I hear a lot is, uh, you know, the, like, for example, I'm from, I'm from Menominee, so I was a part of the Big Rivers Conference, just to use an example. You could use the MVC too, but, uh, you know... Uh, <laughs> A player who has graduated, an athlete who has graduated and maybe is a year or two removed from high school, coming back and saying, wow, these teams aren't, aren't anything compared to what my team was like, right? Like, like for example, going back to a, a high school basketball game after graduating and saying, wow, this competition, this conference is nothing compared to when I graduated. It's just, it's, it's kind of revisionist history, right? I, I just don't know if it's, if it's incredibly accurate. I think it's definitely, you know, LeBron's propping himself up a little bit after a, a couple... A rough couple of weeks for LeBron and the Lakers. Let's be honest here. I, 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 that's what I liken it to. Is a high schooler looking back at his old conference, his old team, his old coach, and say, "Wow, it's nothing compared to what it was when I was there." Right? That's what it made me think of. It's a little bit obnoxious. I think if LeBron was in the East this year, I think he'd get spanked. I think the Celtics, the Sixers, the Raptors, the Bucks are all better teams. I think the Pacers maybe would be able to hang with this Cleveland team and plus LeBron in a seven-game series. Heck, Brooklyn's no slouch either. I think the Eastern Conference this year has come of age, yeah. And they have acquired some players. But I don't know if Nikola Mirotic being added by the Bucs uh, would be considered adding a superstar or being part of an arms race. It's an improvement. It's an upgrade at the trade deadline. But it's not like all these teams are pushing their chips into the middle of the table. In fact, yesterday I stated the exact opposite. I said, look, the Bucs are getting better in the short term, but by no means... Are they mortgaging their future or, as people love to say on sports radio, pushing their chips to the middle of the table? They're improving for this upcoming playoff run, but they didn't hurt their ability to retain some of their upcoming free agents or sign new ones should they want to this upcoming summer. The Raptors really didn't mortgage the future. They traded Jonas Valanciunas for Mark Gasol. I mean, they upgraded. It's not like that's going to screw their team over in the future. The Celtics have done the exact opposite of mortgaging their future. Because they haven't wanted to make big blockbuster deals for the likes of Jimmy Butler and Paul George. Because Danny Ainge and the Celtics would rather have their young stars controllable. Terry Rozier, you know, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Those guys have been untouchable. I, I just, I don't think LeBron has the best piece of perspective right now. Because as we look at the NBA, and this is something I want to talk to Dave uh, when we talk to him here in a couple of minutes. You look at the NBA right now, 
the West at the top is is very good. Obviously, the Golden State Warriors are a bruiser. They're 38 and 15. But after that, it drops off just a little bit. The Nuggets, the Thunder, the Blazers all sit uh, somewhere between 37 and, and 33, 32 wins if you include the Rockets. And the Lakers sit right now at the 10 seed. They're 28 and 27. They're one game over 500. You look at the Eastern Conference, Bucks, Raptors, Pacers. Bucks and Raptors both have 40 wins. The only two teams in the NBA to do that. The Pacers somehow, even without Victor Oladipo, are 36 and 19. Like I said yesterday, we might have to see what happens with them. But the Celtics, 35 and 20. The Sixers, 34 and 20. And heck, the Brooklyn Nets are two games over 500 in the playoff picture. The Eastern Conference is better than the Western Conference. Now, if you want to make the argument, if you are a Western Conference NBA fan, that your conference is better because you have the best team, that's fine. But Golden State's got to win the title this year. It's much like in college football, right? If the SEC is arguing that they're better than the Big Ten or the Big 12 because they have the best team, that's fine. You can use that argument, but Bama better clean everyone's clock, and that includes winning the national championship. And this year, when Bama got killed by Clemson, you got to live with that argument, SEC fans. you got to die with that argument. We have the best conference because we have the best team. Well, if Bama loses in the national title, you have to concede a little bit, much like I think the Western Conference fans would have to if Golden State loses. But take Golden State out of the equation. Take the best team in the NBA out of the equation. I, I would take the, the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Sixers as locks to beat the Nuggets, to beat the Blazers, to beat the Rockets in a seven-game series. The Thunder are an interesting case study. I'm, I'm interested to see more of them. But at the top, the Eastern Conference is much deeper, much better right now. The Western Conference obviously has a juggernaut, but but could could you not claim that the East and the West have kind of switched places the last couple of years? Because in the Eastern Conference, it used to be LeBron's team and everyone else. It used to be the Heat and everyone else. Or the Cavaliers and everyone else. And then the Western Conference, you never really knew, especially before Golden State got Kevin Durant, because you had the Warriors, you had the Rockets who were great, you had the Thunder who were great. Right, you had uh, teams, uh, what's the other one I'm forgetting? The Spurs used to be great, right? There was a handful of, of elite teams at the top, and now it's swapped. In the West, it's the Warriors and everyone else. And then the East, the top is very well-rounded with a lot of great teams. The NBA is in a really healthy spot right now, even with the Golden State Warriors being an overwhelming odds-on favorite to win the title. I just, LeBron saying, well, you know, no, they don't have to go through me. I, I don't know if LeBron would like the results if he found himself back in the Eastern Conference. Not that he's loving the results now, because let's face it, the Lakers are in the 10th seed behind the Kings, behind the Clippers. I don't know. I don't know if LeBron, you be careful what you wish for, right? Because I don't think if LeBron found himself back in Cleveland, who, by the way, are 11 and 43, <laughs> I don't know if he'd like, I don't know if he'd like the results. We're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about the Bucks, uh, specifically some of their recent games. They're nine and one in their last ten games, by the way, including a five-game winning streak. We're going to talk about the trade deadline, their recent games, and maybe ask about this LeBron quote as well, and maybe the current state of the NBA. We're going to talk to Dave Carney from Mornings with Dave and Scraty right here on WKTY. You here in the morning, six to nine. We'll get him on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line, and continue the Wisco Sports Show coming up next here on WKTY. <laughs> This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Be streaming at WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app as well. We're talking NBA. We're talking Bucks. This is the Wisco Sports Show. So we're talking Milwaukee. Giannis drafted his all-star team last night. The Bucks 
making moves at the trade deadline yesterday. There's a lot to talk about it. And I thought, why not bring in one of our own, Dave Carney? He hosts Mornings with Dave and Scrady. Uh, here's 6 to 9 in the mornings on WK2I. Dave, I wanted to have you on yesterday, but I realized uh, you were at the dive bar on Ward Avenue. You're giving away some Brewers tickets. You gave away a grill. How was it last night? You know what, G-Bills, it was an awesome time, but you were missed. Everybody had to uh, just, you know, take the fact that you were doing a show and we couldn't have you out there until uh, February 25th. And then, and then all things changed, Grant. So. Oh, it, well, it's a wild card after that. That's exactly right. We just got to wait until... Uh, yeah, it's it's t- a wild card. Till late February. It's it's the wild card. I like that expression a lot. Um, well, let's let's talk about a couple of things. We were excited both yesterday about Giannis's uh, or the, the Bucks trade deadline. I thought Nikola Mirotic was an awesome addition. Let's just talk a little bit about that. Flipping Thon Maker essentially for Nikola Mirotic is really impressive. Just how good of a move was this for John Horst and the Bucks? So this is an A-plus move. Uh, we had the arterial poll question today at WKTY on Twitter as well as our website, and it was resounding um, from listeners that it, this was an A move, and I agree with that. And the reason is, Grant, as we talked about even yesterday off-air, the Bucks essentially gave up nothing to get Nikola Mirotic, who was having a career year, all right, 16.7 points, eight and a half rebounds. Yeah. Uh, and he shoots the three at one of the best clips of any big in the league, which is important because the Bucks trail only the Houston Rockets by about two threes a game total. Okay. So the Bucks give up really nothing. Stanley Johnson didn't even have a cup of coffee. Um, Jason Smith had played a couple of games for the Bucks, and it's been okay in spots. But realistically, this was a move that was so deft if John Horst doesn't get serious consideration for executive of the year this year, just with this move alone, I think there should be an investigation, a, a tampering investigation, <laughs> sure. if you will. Sure, a tampering investigation. I like that. Maybe we'll have to talk about that. I hope that John Horst, they could get executive of the year, coach of the year, MVP. <laughs> they might sweep this thing. Yesterday's move, I thought, was was really cool. They weren't the only move in the Eastern Conference. Just where do you fall in the East right now? I love the Bucks, obviously, but but we might be a little bit biased. If the playoffs started today, how do you feel about some of the other teams around the top of the East right now? So on its surface, the Sixers got better and better by a long shot over what they were the other day. But I'm not entirely sure that that group gels as quick as everybody wants them to gel. Jimmy Butler's already proven to be a pill no matter where he's at. Chicago, Minnesota, Philadelphia, that's just his personality. And all the guys that he's ever played with, Grant, have been younger than him, right? They've all been young guys. Yeah. So he's been able to be sort of the alpha dominant guy. Well, Tobias Harris is an emerging star. So on its face, face though, it looks like Philadelphia got better. I was really concerned about the Toronto move. When they were able to take um, Valanchunas, uh, you know, take a guy like Delion Wright, and the, I think a second-round draft, they can flip that into Marcus Saul. That scared me. That was followed up nearly right after by the Bucks making the move for Miritich. So that, to me, countered that. But I would say Toronto is probably the biggest threat for the Bucks. The, the Celtics, as you saw last night, they can't hold on to a lead against the Lakers, which isn't a good team right now. I think it's the Bucks, and it's going to be the Raptors. But, Grant, I'll tell you, the Bucks are poised right now because of the coaching staff of, of Budenholzer, the play of Giannis Bledsoe, who you and I both love this year. Yes. Brogdon, you know, I mean, you go down the list. Lopez, Ilyasova, it doesn't really matter. And on a given night, it could be a guy like Connaughton or even DiVincenzo. The team is so deep that the, the precedent for this hasn't been set in Milwaukee for a long time. But I think this is a serious championship contender. I know that seems hyperbolic, but I was listening to an interview that Scrady and I did with Amy Lawrence, who is our after-hours host and CBS Sports National host, uh, from about six months ago before the Bucks hired Coach Bud, and she said that nobody could turn that team into a championship contender right away. Well, it looks like we were all wrong, and because of that, I think we should dispel past 
notions to go down a, a negative path and say we're waiting for the wheels to fall off. This, to me, Matt, this is the, the go year. This could be the go year right here. And watch out, Warriors, by the way. No, and I, and I agree. Anytime a small market team like the Bucks, especially with all the free agents they have, they should prioritize this year. And getting Miritich, I think, did that, but they also didn't mortgage a whole lot, which was a great move. Dave Carney from Mornings with Dave and Scrady right here on WKTY joins us on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. LeBron made some comments uh, about the East, and now they're all going for it, claiming because they don't have to go through him. I'm not trying to be a LeBron hater here, as I'm always tempted to. But I look at the Eastern Conference right now, it, it seems like things have flipped. Because for the better part of the last decade, the East was LeBron and everyone else. And then the West was very balanced with a lot of elite teams at the top. And now it seems as though it's almost switched. We have the Warriors and everybody else in the West. And now we have a very competitive top level of the Eastern Conference. I, I don't think LeBron is, is giving the Eastern Conference a fair shake. I think if LeBron was in the Eastern Conference this year, uh, assuming that he wouldn't be on Toronto or Milwaukee or Boston or Philly like he would be back in Cleveland. I, I don't know if the result would be so pretty for LeBron James. What do you make of these comments and, and I guess the current state of the, the conferences in the NBA? So, first of all, you're right about LeBron James and what would be going on in Cleveland. Sure. Cleveland's a disaster, and he knew it, and, and everybody was coming for him. All right, What LeBron James did last year was, was heroic, and that's why he got the, the praise and credit that he you know deserved. He did a great job with that team last year. But we can see LeBron, like all people, in, in any sport, he is aging out, okay? At 34, 35, he's already had his longest sustained injury of his career this year. LeBron is seeing that the game is also passing him up, Grant, and I think that he's a little bit salty about that. He didn't get the trade that he wanted. They didn't get Anthony Davis. They weren't able to mortgage the Lakers' future for Anthony Davis. So I think he's feeling a little reticent that now he's looking at a path which is infinitely more difficult than perhaps it had been for him in the previous, what, nine seasons? Yeah. Um, and, and there's a bit of... I think there's a bit of lamentation there. Um, so a little sour grapes. But the East has been historically good. It's just been 25 years since that happened prior to when, you know, you could remember. The Eastern Conference looks to me now more like it would have looked in the 1980s, where the Celtics were a power. The, the Sixers are a power. The Bucks in the 1980s were a power. They just kept losing to the Celtics. So this, to me, seems like, you know, a lot of things in life, secular, and it's coming back to the East, but... You know, LeBron James doesn't want to have to give too much credit to the guy that he sat across the, the table from last night at the All-Star Draft, right? Yeah. And ascent, you know, just see to him that he is the best player in the NBA. Because Grant, what we've seen from Giannis recently, the three-point shooting, the ability to stretch the floor that you can tell that the coaching staff is working on with him every day, this is going to make him indefensible, and therefore the Bucks indefensible. The way that this team is constructed right now, this year, is as good as it could get, man. I'm telling you, I think the Warriors will, will have a real problem. The depth at the front line is going to be a problem. Outside of DeMarcus Cousins, I mean, who on the Warriors is going to come in and defend Ilya Sova, Miritich, Lopez, Giannis, and, and you know, go down the line? But, I mean, especially those those front four guys. So. Well, well, Steph Curry isn't going to put the screws on this version of Eric Bledsoe. I mean, I, I don't want to look towards the finals and start to play matchups, but I, I do think that these teams in the Eastern Conference, even the Bucks aside, are really good. I don't think the finals are going to be a pushover, and I'm excited about the fact that it's not just going to be LeBron and some scrubs versus the Warriors, that we might actually have a balanced <laughs> series come June. Isn't that a little exciting? It's the most exciting thing. And and listen, no secret, I, I'm a Laker fan, but I don't watch the Lakers anymore because I'm on this side of the country, yeah. so I don't see their games and have lost a bit of touch with what the team you know is going on, so... Yeah, it's going to be way more exciting not seeing LeBron and a bunch of scrubs make it to the finals because how uninteresting would that be? 
this year to me, and I know it's looking way too far in the future, this yeah. year to me seems like one of the years in which the Chicago Bulls, which I watched with my own two eyes, with a Michael Jordan, young Scotty Pippen, Horace Grant, B.J. Armstrong, and, and general manager John Paxson, had to continue to get over a team in, at that time, the Pistons. Sort of like the Bucks have had to do with the Raptors, right? We've seen what the Bucks have done this year with the Raptors, both with Kawhi and without, both with Giannis and without, and they won the series. Now, the Warriors have been played twice. The Bucks beat them really badly in Golden State. They lose here at home, not by too much. I think 10 points. Yeah, hang on there. Um, and sure, De- DeMarcus Cousins wasn't playing in that game, but I think they match up well, Grant, with anybody. And so the more that I talk to people around town, and I know you do too, the more I can tell there's a growing sense of, of belief and, and maybe a little surprise, like, this could really happen, couldn't it? Like, the Bucks are really, really good. The, the answer is yes. This looks to me like the beginning of a, of a, a real dynasty, and, and Milwaukee Ooh. could be modeled in a lot of ways, like San Antonio was, especially because of a guy like Giannis, a lot like Tim Duncan and David Robinson, and Coach Budenholzer, who is directly from the Greg Popovich tree, won four championships there as an assistant. So No, it, it, I, I cannot wait to watch. I love the NBA so much, Dave, and I'm glad that we do have a growing excitement in this area. People are tuning in for the Bucks. You know, we need to talk about the Bucks. Uh, and right now they sit at 40 and 13. You made one comment, and this is the last thing I'll ask you. Dave Carney joins us on the Five Star Telecom talking text line. Just for a minute more, I won't keep you too long. You, you you talk about worrying that the wheels are going to fall off this Bucks team, or like we're all waiting for the other shoe to drop because it has been such a smooth ride. They've won nine of ten, including five in a row. Now they sit at forty and thirteen. As we watch for the next couple of months, because the second half of the season is much shorter after the All Star break, what what would be a red flag when you sit here and watch this Bucks team? What would jump out to you as maybe a sign of things are about to get tougher? Like this this Bucks team might start to peel at the seams a little bit. What would worry you should you see it as, as we get closer and closer to March and closer to the playoffs? Injury to Giannis. Sure. I mean, honestly, that would be the number one thing. The second thing would be, and Scraty mentioned this this morning on, on Mornings with David Scraty, if chemistry somehow were to take a, a nosedive because of Miritich, which I don't see happening because from all accounts, Miritich is a pretty good team guy. If you look at what happened with the Pelicans last year, after DeMarcus Cousins goes down, Miritich comes as a, a part of a trade package from Chicago, and they get better. Grant, the Pelicans got better instantly. Oh, yeah. Miritich was a better fit with the Pelicans and Anthony Davis than was Cousins. So I would say an injury to Giannis and um, chemistry. But but if those two things, you know, if, if the chemistry can stay and, and God willing, Giannis can stay on his feet and, and be, be healthy. I, I don't think there's really going to be much that could derail this team. This team is a bunch of selfless guys and guys, Grant, like Eric Bledsoe, who have got a career to to really, you know, prove. Sure. They've, 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 they've got something to prove here. And with a coach like Mike Budenholzer, you've got somebody that's taken an Atlanta team to a 60-win season. Paul Millsap wasn't really looked at as any sort of a player until he went to – the Hawks and, and Bud taught him to shoot a three and uh, really become a guy. Horford got the contract in, in Boston because of playing with Coach Budenholzer. Um, you know, you could go on and on, but I think this team with a guy like Giannis, who is infinitely better than any of those other players combined, I, I think this Bucks team is, is special as it, you know, as it really comes. And, and the way that Horses manage the salary cap stuff uh, is brilliant. I don't know how much you've talked about that, but being able to get George Hill and relieving the contracts of Delavadova Del and Henson, you know, and Hill's a nice player and he's yeah. playing very well for this Bucks team. But his contract is a team option next year, so the Bucks are in an incredibly good shape to keep a majority of the players on the court. I think they'll they'll be you know have to be some hometown discounts, but I wouldn't be surprised to see all these guys come back. 
Well, I think we're going to learn about priorities from some of these players and whether or not they are interested in trying to build something in Milwaukee and and win a championship and not just chase a paycheck. And I've said multiple times, if they want to go get the money, I I can't fault them for it. I hope that's not the case. But either way, it looks like the Bucs are trying to have as much available capital as possible for this upcoming summer. Dave, I appreciate your basketball acumen and your enthusiasm for this team as well. And you got the weekend off now. Would you sleep in a little bit, Dave? I'm going to do my very best, but I'm so excited for uh, the game tonight on WKTY because uh, I'm I'm really excited about Luka Doncic, man. I think this kid is super exciting to listen to and to watch. So we've got two games this weekend. I'll do a little bit of sleeping. Um, yes, I'll, I'll I'll take you up on that. I will do that. Yeah, rest and relax a little bit, Dave. I appreciate you joining us. I'll talk soon. Thanks, brother. See you around, Dave. That's the that's Dave Carney, co-host of Dave and Scrady Mornings with Dave and Scrady here on WKTY. He brings good stuff. And look, I, I try not to fan out on this show. I'm a Bucks fan, right? I'm as excited about this as anyone else, but we we have to try to remain with good perspective about this team, right? We can't just say it's finals or bust and nobody can touch this team and yada, yada, yada. Well, then why are we here? Because there's lots of games to be played and there's a lot of implications before and after the All-Star break and, and games to be played before the playoffs. And don't even get me started on the playoffs and how this Bucks team has struggled at least since 2001. So I'm not going to fan out, but there is reason to have healthy enthusiasm. I wouldn't even say cautious enthusiasm. Let's get excited about this team. Uh, and, and I'm having fun talking about this team, watching this team, everything. 7.30 tip tonight on WKTY. They're in Dallas. Chris Middleton's not going to play. Uh, Luka Doncic, as, uh, as Dave said, is. So that's just another exciting player to add to the docket tonight. When we come back, I want to throw a little bit of curveball. Uh, we're wrapping up the week. Let's do something fun. I don't want to talk Bucks, Brewers, Badgers, anything like that. I actually want to talk Packers. And I want to set up something that we're going to be talking about more in the next couple of months. So there's your teaser. I'm going to give you some homework over the weekend as well. So when we come back on Monday, we're all prepped and ready to go. So final segment of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next as we wrap up the week here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Hope you had a good week. You're having a good night. We're all excited for the weekend. There's a lot going on tonight and into the weekend as well. Bucks play tonight here, 7.30 on WKTY. They're down in Dallas, uh, resting a couple of players tonight. So we're going to see some minutes, probably extended minutes, uh, from some deeper players on their bench. Maybe some DJ Wilson, and I am all about that. So tune in tonight, 7.30. Tomorrow we have some really good local action. Aquinas. Uh, by the way, Aquinas has won 47 games in a row, 74 of 75. The, the Aquinas women, of course, they're playing Hopkins. The, they're the number 20 team in the nation tomorrow, uh, and they're playing them in Hopkins. If you want to check that game out, Hopkins is the 20, 20th team in the nation, and they have a 2020 recruit who is being offered by UConn, being offered by Notre Dame. We have some really good, uh, really good write-up from Rick. Uh, one of our sports reporters, one of our reporters here at WK2I and WIZM. So check out either the website at WIZMnews.com or WK2Isports.com. You want to check out some details of that game because this is one of the few matchups, one of the few games that Aquinas may actually have some competition, which doesn't happen very often. So uh, if you want to check out that, get ready for this weekend as well. There's a lot going on. Find it on our website. I wanted to pose a question, pose a topic, pose something to think about over the weekend and over the next week or two, I said I want to put a button in the Bucks talk for now. I actually want to talk a little bit of Green Bay Packers football. Now there hasn't really been any breaking news, and I know the lower end of the the staff is being filled out. I don't I don't really care. Um, 
obviously draft season is coming up. The Super Bowl wraps up and the NFL and the sports world transitions pretty quickly. I'm not looking at prospects. I'm not looking at players or draft picks. It's really early. We have yet to get to the combine. We have yet to get to a lot of stuff. And I, and I think it would be a waste of time. And I think it would be silly to really dive into specific players or heck, even specific positions. The Packers have the 12th overall pick in this draft. They pick behind. Well, let's get some perspective here just to kind of set it up. The Packers are picking 12th right behind uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Denver Broncos, the Buffalo Bills. So they're in company that they not they're not typically in. And I don't want to talk about, you know, what's the biggest need for the Packers? What's the the, the player you want to see the Packers draft? I don't want to get into that. What I do want to ask. And what I do want to think about, and this is our homework over the weekend, what do we want this Packers draft to look like? There's a lot of draft mantras, uh, a lot of strategies to take into a draft. And heck, you can apply some of these to, to fantasy football. For, for those of us who do a lot of fantasy football drafts, it's, it's the same idea. Every team in the NFL is in a different place. Whether they're trending upward, trending downward, they don't really know which way they're trending. They're trying to build offense, build defense, what have you. Everybody is prioritizing and, and going through a different process. What I want to think about is specifically the Packers. We talked about the NBA trade down yesterday, and I said a good or a bad trade might not be a good or a bad trade for another team. You just have to you have to be specific, right? So let's think about the Packers 2019 draft. Forget what's happened in the past. Forget what may happen in the future. How do we want this draft to go? Because we, we're getting to the point now where we're going to start getting into some specifics. We're going to start talking about specific players and player groups and prospects from from big schools, small schools. There's a lot to get into, and we're definitely going to do our fair share of that in the coming months before the draft. It's a little too early to get into big specifics, but here's what I want to ask. Is this going to be a best player available? Because obviously everybody's focused on that that number 12 pick. And then you can look at the number 30 pick from the Saints too, but that's a little bit farther down the line. Let's just think about 12. The Packers have multiple needs. It's, it's not like they're a well-rounded team at this point. But they're going to get an elite blue-chip level player at number 12, especially if there's a run on quarterback or something like that that pushes even more talent down to the Green Bay Packers. And it's obviously way too early to try to predict some of that. Think about it. What do you want the Packers to do at number 12? Not necessarily thinking about specific positions or specific players, but do you just want them to take the best possible player available? Do you want them to focus on a position of need and maybe take a player who's graded a little lower than a player at a position that they already don't have a need? How do you want the Packers to handle this draft? Because this is the second draft we're going to see from Brian Gutekinds. We saw last year, and we think he did a pretty good job. It's, it's early to tell and early to be conclusive, but we like what we saw from Jair Alexander. Josh Jackson shown flashes, but we're not really sure about that, right? Oren Burks, not really sure. J.K. Scott had some good punts, had some bads. We saw some things that we liked from this draft class. And the real win of last year's draft was getting the guy I think they wanted originally, which was Jair Alexander, and picking up another first-round pick this year to work with. This is it for Gudikins. He's got to hit some picks. Because if they have another, I shouldn't say another, but if they have a bad draft, you're really pinching that window tight. And you're really needing an influx of talent quicker than I think it's possible to achieve an influx of talent. So here's the question that I ask. The Packers are picking at number 12. This is, your, this is our weekend homework. What if, let's say, an elite-level tight end. I know the name TJ Hawkerson has been thrown around, falling to number 12, or just being available at number 12. He would probably be the best player available, but I don't know if that's necessarily the Packers' biggest position of need. So I ask you, not about the specific prospect, but about the mantra and the idea. How do we want the Packers to approach this draft? Best player available? Do you want a draft to fill a need? Because let's be real here. It's not like the Packers have one need. You look at the Vikings, another team, another situation, which is why it's important to take specifics into account. The Vikings are pretty well set up at just about every position. 
Now, the offensive line is their weakest position group, but they're getting some guys back off of injury. Might sign a free agent or two. The Vikings are in a position where they can say, pretty much the best player available when we when it comes time to draft, we can take him. We could use a great corner. We could use a great linebacker, a great defensive lineman, an edge rusher. We could use a, a, a tight end, a wide receiver, a running back. Doesn't matter. Take your pick. Wherever the great player is, we'll pick him. The Packers really aren't in that position. They need safeties. They need linebackers. They need offensive linemen. Probably thinking about wide receiver as well. I like their two running backs. It never hurts to keep talent coming in. They do need to rebuild their tight end group a little bit. It's not one position group. You look at you look at the Vikings, you look at offensive line. Right? You look at Bears, the Bears, I should say. You might think wide receiver. You might think offensive line. Packers have have multiple needs to be filled. So I ask you, and this is what we're gonna have to think about, because the conversations about the draft are gonna get ramped up here in the coming weeks especially as we near the combine. How do the Packers approach this draft? Best player available to fill a need? I don't know if the Packers can can just sit back and say, well, we'll take whoever's the best player, whoever the highest rated player we have, because I don't think the Packers need to draft a wide receiver with the, the 12th overall pick. They don't need to draft a corner unless a really elite level corner falls to them. This is what the Packers have to balance, and this is what we have to think about, right? How do we want the Packers to handle this draft? And when we get that figured out, when we get our idea, our mantra, our strategy figured out, then when the names and the prospects and the schools and the, the stats and the tangibles start coming in, we're ready for that, right? Well, we talked about, you know, we want the best player available or we want a draft to fit these specific needs and these specific position groups. So when we talk about the draft, it's a lot better of a discussion. It's not so random. We kind of have an idea, a direction. Because right now, I'm not sure that we do. And that's okay, because we're months away. The draft isn't until April. But now that the Super Bowl is done, the NFL is probably the biggest league, the one that drives the most discussion, although the NBA certainly has things on lockdown right now. The draft talk's going to get pretty big. People are starting to do mock drafts, looking at mock drafts, looking towards the combine. We need to get a direction. We need to get an idea, a strategy. Because we can't talk about prospects. We can't talk about certain position groups until we know exactly what we want. So what do you want the Packers to do? How do you want them to handle this upcoming draft? Because when we get that figured out, it's all butter. It's all fun. All right, we just talk about, all right, what about this player? Well, we remember our strategy is this. Our mantra is this. How does that player fit into that? It's a lot more productive of a conversation, and we're not going to waste time here on the Wisco Sports Show. Not that we ever do. So think about that over the weekend. Because next week, we're going to continue to talk Bucks, Badger basketball, Aquinas, Central, UWL basketball, both men and women's, all doing real well right now. We're going to continue that. But Packers are going to work their way back into the fold as free agency, and as the draft comes rolling in. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Marinate on that a little bit this weekend, and we'll talk more coming up next week. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a relaxing, a calm, restful weekend. Have some fun as well. Same time, same place. I'll be back on Monday. Can't wait to talk to you then.